Hello and welcome to the Second Baptist Church uh, live stream. Uh, and uh, we're going to be doing this also, we'll be recording this, so it will be available on the our website uh, page under sermons later today. Uh, under this post, if you're watching live on Facebook, should be a post that includes the order of service. So if you want to follow along in that, you can bring that up. I'm filling in for Jay and doing the announcements this morning. Jay is in a high-risk group, so we want to minimize his exposure. Uh, he did comment to me that last week he felt like at this time there was sort of a cavernous emptiness to the, to the sanctuary. Uh, but this time he's sort of in thinking about it and thinking about the announcements, it, there's, he had an, a thought of appreciation for people stepping up and, and uh, a sense of togetherness rather than emptiness and disparity. So hopefully this live stream will bring some of that to you all as well. A uh, suggestion to everyone in that theme of togetherness is to reach out to other people in the congregation, maybe someone who you haven't talked to in a while, dust off that directory and make a few calls or send an email. Uh, I'm sure everyone would enjoy and appreciate the contact. Um, one reminder, the um, church is going to have a virtual council meeting, or at least try to, uh, on Monday night at 6.30 p.m. Uh, we've been doing some test sessions, and I think we have that figured out. Uh, but if you are, are in the council meeting and you want to test out your connection, uh, reach out to me, uh, Dave Menninger. And um, the, the last thing is just a reminder is that the church continues to operate, and we can, will be continuing to pay all of our staff and have expenses in, in that way, but also in the broader sense of our mission. So uh, even with this going on, if you think about the church in terms of uh, tithes and offerings, which we can't do in person, but if potentially you could send in by postal mail or however, um, we may set up another way to do that, but at least to be in your, in your thoughts on that score. Um, so I'll hand it over to Henry San to uh, make a, an announcement in Corinne or for the Corinne community. Thank you. Second Baptist State Church. Uh, uh, Pastor Steve, a phone in a key turn we call yes, who quit the what? Dot, the new error seller, uh, email, 
stevemitchell at gmail.com. Uh, stevemitchell at gmail.com. Through Facebook messenger, Pastor Steve, I can reply to you. With us, with us, with us, with us, with The call, the call to worship this morning is from Psalm 23, the Divine Shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the absence, in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Lisa <laughs> It is our tradition to pray together, the prayer that Jesus taught us each week. And while it is an empty space in here just now, I would like to share with you the Lord's Prayer. And perhaps wherever you're at, uh, you can repeat it or pray it with me. Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Good morning, church. Good morning. I miss seeing everyone here in person, but I can feel the solidarity and I feel everyone here in spirit, and I'm grateful for that. Our scripture reading this morning from the Gospels comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26, verses 69 to 74. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came to him and said, You also were with Jesus the Galilean. But Peter denied it before all of them, saying, I do not know what you are talking about. Then Peter went out to the porch, and another servant girl saw him and said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. But Peter again denied it with an oath, I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up to Peter and said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then Peter began to curse, and he swore an oath, saying, I do not know the man. And at that moment, the cock crowed. The word of the Lord. Ralegay, good morning, everybody. We trust that you are well and good as you uh, listen this morning or as you are listening to the audio uh, on the website later on this day. Let me first express a massive thank you to Jay, the church's moderator and a sensitive and insightful and pretty amazing leader, and to Dave, our vice moderator and our technician guru. I was going to say chief geek, but I thought technician guru sounded better. And Brad, our choir director and co-technical guru, and to Marilyn, our minister of music, for all of your hard week over this past, all of your hard work over this past week as we are meandering through these uncharted waters. I have appreciated your support, your input, your ideas, and your skill sets, and above all, your willingness to do whatever is needed for this congregation during this time. Church family, I'm hoping that you and your loved ones are doing okay. If you need anything at all, please let me know. Steve Meacham at gmail.com. We are looking for people who will volunteer to help meet needs and for volunteers to make phone calls. If you can help with either of those things, please contact me as we are putting lists together. together. All right? Remember this. Wash your hands. Practice social distancing. Call, email, text, or FaceTime some folks this week to let them know that you are in, that they are in your thoughts and prayers. Let's take care of each other during this time. Now, the title of this message in the bulletin is Splat, which is a great title, 
but I'm changing it to four minutes. So I have this red three-ring binder, and I've had it since college. And in it, I've collected articles and quotes and illustrations and stuff for preaching and teaching. In this binder, the 97th page is a page of printed quotes. The page was printed using a dot matrix printer, so that may tell you how old that page is. And on this page, there is this quote, Courage is holding on for five more minutes. There is no attribution included. So this week, as I'm talking about Peter's big O oops moment, I decided I would find out who the author of this quote is. And alas, I did not. But I did find a similar quote attributed to Ralph Waldo Emerson. A hero is no braver than an ordinary man, but he is brave five minutes longer. Maybe the first quote is simply a rehashing of Emerson's quote. I don't know. But I am interested in this definition of bravery, of courage, that something is implied that if we can just hang on five more minutes. But here's the question, isn't it? What if we only hold on four minutes? Does that mean we're not brave? Does that mean we have no courage? I will be honest with you, I have multiple memories, scars actually, of times in my life when I made it for four minutes and failed to hold on for that one last significant minute. I had courage for a time, but in the end I fell short. When I should have spoken up, I did not speak. When I should have stood up, I did not stand. When I should have counted, I hid from the count. Moments before each failure, I had courage. I just didn't hold on to it long enough. Peter had courage for four amazing minutes. After all, he is the one who says to Jesus, even if everyone else fails you, I will stand with you to the end. Peter is the one who briefly leads the disciples against the arresting authorities as they come for Jesus. As Jesus is hurried away to trial, it is Peter who follows behind. And I'm confident that Peter follows in hopes that he will find a way to help his friend escape from this mob. I think that as Peter enters the courtyard that night, he does so from a place of courage as a brave friend of Jesus. But in the courtyard, things change. There is a chill in the air, cool enough so that Peter warms himself at one of the fire pits. And as he warms himself, a person in the courtyard recognizes Peter as one of Jesus' followers. After all, Jesus has been teaching openly in Jerusalem all week, and of course the leader of the disciples would be by his side. The spectator, spectator sees Peter and says, I saw you with him. 
Now, my guess is that Peter would not be able to explain why he answers the accusation as he does. But Peter responds with the words, I wasn't with Jesus, wasn't there. He was probably shocked as he heard the words tumble out of his mouth. After three years of being by Jesus' side, after declaring Jesus the Christos, the Messiah, Peter, in this moment, in the chill of the night and in the darkness of the courtyard, as onlookers stare with contempt, says he doesn't even know him, doesn't hang with him, isn't one of his followers. As Peter speaks these unfortunate words, another person notices his peculiar accent, the northern accent of one who grew up in Galilee. That person chimes in, you must be one of his followers. You come from where he comes from. You sound just like him. And Peter finds himself doing that which he would never imagined he would do. He denies that he even knows him. And the third bystander says, I don't know why you're lying to us. Because you're certainly one of his followers. And then Peter loses it. Bleep, bleep, bleepity bleep. I don't know who he is. And in this moment, as the night is giving way to dawn, Peter hears the rooster swagger. Jesus' words come flooding back. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Immediate guilt. Overwhelming shame. Complete brokenness, a sense of self-hate. All of it rushes through Peter as he runs away. The sun comes up. Jesus is tried, mocked, tortured, and killed. And Peter is nowhere to be found. Friday is Peter's dark night to the soul. His heart breaks. His failure is realized as his friend and Savior is marched to the cross. For four minutes, he was the bravest of the brave, the most courageous of them all, but he couldn't hold on to that fifth minute in the courtyard. Hmm. So what do you do when you find that you have four-minute courage and not the necessary five minutes worth. Here's what we learned from Peter. When our courage escapes us, we repent, we find grace, we experience mercy, we move on. On Saturday after the crucifixion, Peter is once again with the disciples, once again their leader. The disciples hide together, maybe at John Mark's house, in fear that the authorities would be coming to them next. Into their midst, perhaps late on Friday night, comes Peter. A changed Peter. A humbled Peter. A Peter who recognizes that in his failure, that the grace of God is far greater than his weakness. Somehow, somewhere on Friday, Peter encounters the forgiveness of God. The disciples on Saturday 
weep together, probably argue with each other, worry together, and realize that they are now in this together to the end. And at the center of it all, the one providing comfort and strength is courageous Peter. On Sunday morning, Mary comes into the sequestered room with news that she has seen Jesus. It is Peter and John who abandon their hiding place and run at breakneck speed to the tomb. They know full well that it might be a trap and that there might be authorities there waiting to arrest them. But for Peter, the courage is back. Many days after Jesus' resurrection, Peter and some of the disciples are fishing. They come to shore and discover risen Jesus cooking breakfast for them all. And while they eat, Jesus pulls Peter aside and asks him three times, Peter, do you love me? And Peter answers three times, yes, Lord, I love you. It is no coincidence that Jesus asked the question three times, the same number of times that Peter has denied him. And Peter is keenly aware that Jesus is welcoming him back into the fold. Fifty days after Peter had denied that he knew who Jesus was, he stands up in the streets of Jerusalem, filled with people during the festival, and clearly proclaims for everyone to hear that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. I would not at all be surprised to discover that his three accusers from the courtyard were hearing him in that moment of courage as well. You see, what looks like four-minute failure is often just the beginning of a five-minute victory. Amen.
Thank you, Marilyn. As we come to a time of prayer this morning, I would like to remind you that feel free, please feel free, to send in prayer requests um, by email or by phone, and we will forward them through the email to the rest of the congregation if you would like. Just a couple days ago, I received an email from Melissa who wanted you all to know that her mom and dad are doing okay. They can't have visitors right now, but they are are enjoying some FaceTiming with their family. I also want you to know that part of this prayer this morning is actually a paraphrase from a wonderful piece that has been making the rounds on social media by Laura Kelly Fanucci. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray for those who have the COVID-19 virus. We pray for those who have lost their battle against this virus. We pray for healthcare workers and those who are on the front lines of this pandemic. We pray for those most vulnerable among us. We pray for folks who are losing income, losing jobs, losing businesses because of this virus. We pray for health officials and civic leaders who are striving to be honest with us and direct us through this crisis. Lord, we pray for all those, all of us, in St. Louis and throughout this country and around the world who have been affected in so many different ways because of what is going on. And we ask for your grace and your mercy and your comfort and your peace. And we are reminded, Lord, that one day this will be over. And when that day comes, may we never again take for granted a handshake or a hug. Conversations that are closer than six feet apart. Open doors. A welcoming sanctuary. The taste of communion. The singing of hymns. Each other. A stadium full of roaring fans. A restaurant where we have to wait a few minutes to be seated. Museums and zoos and movie theaters. When this ends, may we find that we have become more like the people we were meant to be, called to be, have yearned to be. And may we stay that way, better for each other because of this experience. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Now let's close this service with this benediction. Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.